Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 33. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When you look at um, Moses, and you look at the life of Moses, uh, what I see is a pretty amazing pastor. Pretty amazing. He's a superstar in the hall of greats, if you will. To the Jewish people, Moses is one of the most important figures in their history. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 34, I think I have that, I do, verses 10 through 12. You know what, y'all read it. One, two, three, read. Since then, did that so much better than me. Put me to shame. That's good. So to Israel, here's the point of the verse. To Israel, Moses was the greatest prophet. He was the greatest lawgiver. He was the greatest historian. He was considered Israel's greatest saint. And by the way, he was the humblest man of the entire human race. He told us that of himself. Well, I do want you all to know that I am the humblest man who ever walked the face of the earth. That's kind of like prideful in your humility. Numbers 12, as a matter of fact, verse 3, it tells us just that. And, and, and Moses' life, listen, leaves this huge impact on history and God's people specifically. Now, I want to tell you something. One of the things that we noticed from chapter 32, if you were with us last week, through chapter 34, you learn, listen, that Moses was not only humble and a great prophet and a lawgiver and a historian and all of these things, but Moses, listen, you might want to write this down, was a mountain man. A mountain man? What do you mean, Rodney? He was a man of the mountain. Moses spent time in the presence of the Lord on the mountain. Which is why I believe Moses was a great man, mightily used of God, because he spent time in the presence of God. And anybody who spends time in the presence of God is going to be a mightily used person of God. 
So he was a mountain man. Now, if you were with us last week, you know that Moses comes down from the mountain 40 days and 40 nights there with the Lord where he received the blueprints for the tabernacle. Were you with us in previous studies? The priestly garment, the special clothes for the priest and all of these things. Lastly, he received the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, the Bible tells us. He comes down and the people are in the midst of idolatry. And Aaron, the high priest, remember last week, chapter 32, Aaron, the high priest, is making a golden calf. And God says, Moses, back up. I'm going to burn him up, basically. And I'm going to start all over. It's almost like God says, you know what? I started with one man and I made a whole nation of people. And I can wipe out a whole nation of people and start all over again. So Moses, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to wipe out the people and I'm going to start with you. Like a whole new race of people like the Mosesites or something. <laughs> whole new race. And Moses, you know the story. He says, no, God, there's no glory in that for you. What will the non-believers think and say? And God restrained himself. And then Moses says, God, if you won't forgive their sins, then blot my name out of the book where you were with us last week. That's amazing. God says, no, Moses, I'm going to deal with every individual person and their sin, which teaches us that whole generational curse. Anybody heard about it? Anybody at all? Not many. That's not what the Bible teaches. God's not going to curse your generations to come. And you're not cursed, Christian. Don't let Satan tell you that. You're cursed because your mom was an alcoholic or your dad was uh, problematic or whatever is in your past. Everyone has things, sin in their past. God's not holding you accountable for what your parents have done. Christian, you are blessed. You can't be cursed and blessed at the same time. Somebody say amen. Amen. Right? God says, no, Moses, I'm going to deal with every individual for their own sins. Now, in chapter 32, if you're taking notes, we can see Moses as a mediator between God and the people. In chapter 33 tonight, we'll see Moses as an intercessor. So he goes from mediator in chapter 32 to intercessor in chapter 33. And in chapter 34, which we'll get to next week, we'll see Moses as a worshiper, mediator, intercessor, worshiper. So tonight, we see Moses as a mediator. Chapter, pardon me, as an intercessor. 32 is mediator. And I titled this sermon, I like chapter 33. Titled this sermon, Show Me Your Glory. Look at chapter 33, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it, and I will send, notice the capital, my angel. I'll tell you, that's a Christophany, that's an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites the Hebites and the Jebusites and the termites. 
So go up in verse 3 to a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in, notice what God says, for I will not go up in your midst lest I, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, yeah, that would be bad news. They mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people, and I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. And so the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. God, listen, is preparing Israel to enter the promised land. And later in the book of Numbers, the story continues. When we get there, we'll talk more about that. But what we have here in chapter 33, it's after the sin with the golden calf. God in his grace said, I'm not going to deny you the promised land, and I'm not going to deny you my protection, but he said, I will deny you of my presence. Essentially, God said, I won't stay so close to you because I might wipe you out and I might consume you because you're a stiff-necked people. God says, I won't remain with you in close and a personal way. Now, the thing, saints, before we move any further, listen, give me your attention. You got to get this. You got to understand this about God. God is absolutely holy. God, because he is absolutely holy, he separates himself from sin because God is holy. You know, New Age people teach that we are all a part of God and God is all a part of us. That God is one and the same with his creation. This is what they teach. That's not true. Listen, we are not all one with God. And we are not all a part of the divine essence. God is absolutely, get this, understand this. God is absolutely pure, totally holy, and separate from sinners. We have to understand, what is the opposite of God? Nothing. 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 That's a crazy... Opposite of God, God is all by himself. Don't you understand? God is God. Period. Cut and dry. Leave it alone. God is God. He doesn't have any opposites. He's pure. He's holy. And we are not. And there's this huge gap, the Bible's very clear, between the two. And that's why, listen, Jesus came to die so he could bridge the big gap between God and man. And that's why he died on the cross. And now anybody who kind of goes over, crosses over the cross has access to God. The only way to God is through the cross. Job said that. Job recognized that there was this gap between man and God. And his friends came up to him and said, man, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just get right with God? His friend said, 
nice friends. And Job said, I wish there was a daysman, he called it. A mediator, same word. I wish that there was a mediator, someone, Job said, that would stand between, between God and sinful man, that I could get right with God. There's this huge gap. Jesus came to fill the void. Jesus came to fill the gap. So God says, listen, because I am holy and because you have sinned with the calf and declared it to be God, God says, if I travel with you now because of your sin and idolatry, you will be dead. Now, there are some people who will look at this verse and say, see, that's a horrible God of wrath. I don't see a horrible God of wrath here. I see a loving God of mercy. Why? How, Rodney? Because God doesn't want to consume him. Amen. (laughs) That's great. He don't want to consume you either. You ought to be clapping. He doesn't want to consume us. So God says, I, I, I love him. And I'm giving him every opportunity to get right with me. That I don't have to consume him. So the only way that I'm not going to consume him is that I'm not going to go with him. Because I'm holy. That's why God said, I'll send an angel and I won't even go with them. So God says, you guys can go into the promised land, but I'm not going with you. And did you notice this? When the people heard that, did you notice it? Go ahead and peruse your Bible again. When the people heard that, they mourned and no one put on their ornaments. Now listen, these ornaments were heathen, pagan jewelry. Verse 4. Heathen, pagan jewelry. Their earrings, listen, demonstrated the fact that they were still worshiping the gods of Egypt. They actually took this practice with them from Egypt. Remember I told you last week, I said that they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never really came out of them. Remember I told you? Lots of Christians do that too. They come out of the world, but the world really never comes out of them. And that's exactly what happened. These guys came out of Egypt, but they brought these Egyptian practices with them into the wilderness. That's why they were making a golden calf. That's why they were still wearing the earrings. You know, we, we, we as Christians, listen, we got to be separate, guys. Amen. We got to, you know what? You know, I, I'm fearful, fearful, fearful of the state of the church and the state of Christians. We, we are so concerned with becoming so much like the world that nobody can even tell the difference oftentimes. You know, we hear a lot of Christian songs. I'm into music, y'all. I, got an iPod. I love music. I got to have music. I just got to have my music. I love it. But, but we got to be careful what we're listening to. We got to be careful about the music that we sing in church. That's why if you notice the songs here, we try to make sure the songs are upward focused. There's a method to the madness. We try to make sure the songs are about God and for God and blesses God and looks to God and causes you to look to God. The songs, no, we just don't sing anything here. I hear a lot of cool stuff, but all of it can't be sung, not at Calvary Chapel. Because we got to keep that line. Listen, we're separate from the world. Got to be careful about what we're wearing. 
All right. Say out your amen. amen. <laughs> Pastor, now you finna step on somebody's toes. <laughs> we got to be careful. You know, I realize that, you know, we live in a culture where, you know, um, certain dress styles are, are common. But Christian women, listen, be careful. And I'm in, I believe in style too. Fix up. Don't misunderstand me. Amen. Be a blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, the church, we're so weird, man. We just got to swing to the other end of the pendulum. I remember one time in the church, women didn't wear makeup. Women couldn't wear makeup. You wear makeup, you're a Jezebel. <laughs> you're just a Jezebel. You wear makeup. Bah. You know. I really, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Couldn't wear red lipstick. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Couldn't wear red fingernail polish. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Couldn't wear a skirt above your ankles. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Woman better not wear a pair of pants. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm trying to catch everybody. And we just, because we're so holy, we just don't know. And that's not what I'm talking about either. You know, you can look nice and everything and, Wear makeup, that's nice. Amen. I'll tell you what J. Vernon McGee said. He's, J. Vernon McGee said this. Now, Pastor Ryder didn't say this. J. Vernon McGee said, every old bar needs some paint. I did not say that. I'm just trying to tell you what somebody else said. That's all I'm doing. Y'all hard. Fix up. That's nice. Gents, fix up your wife like you look nice too. Take a shower, put on it. Amen. <laughs> Ladies, say amen. amen. I got your back. <laughs> fix up, it's all right. You know, you know, you, you know, this whole tattoo thing has me concerned. Oh, the pastor right here, you go again on a tattoo thing. I can hear you. I'm not against them per se. But you know, honestly, people are putting tattoos. I'm just talking to adults. People are putting tattoos nowadays, and even Christian people, where they do. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm not a big tattoo person anyway. But don't put them in a place where they just absolutely don't belong. And I'm just trying to say that as gently and loving, kindly as I can. Really? I'm talking to Christians now. Look, if, if, if a person doesn't know God... They don't know God. Don't try to clean up the outward. Get them to Christ. God will tell them what to do after that. But I'm just talking to Christians now. We want to be mindful of our practices. And we don't ever want to be guilty of bringing, you know, worldly practices into the church. I mean, things that are just blatantly awful and worldly and displeasing to the Lord. Now, I should say, in all fairness to Israel... You notice when the people heard that God wasn't going to be with them, they decided to take off the ornaments in verse 3. I think in all fairness, we should say that. And that's a good thing because it shows that even if they were stiff-necked, they seemed to care about the presence of God being with them, and I like that. But God is saying, take off the stuff that is heathen and pagan, and it's actually indicating that God wants them to take off the stuff that is heathen and pagan and take a stand for God. That's the implication there. That sounds exactly what we looked at last week. Remember, as Moses stood and told the people, 
He said, who's on the Lord's side? Remember that? I love that. Who's on the Lord's side? And only the Levites were on the Lord's side and they killed 3,000 people. Remember that? We got to take a stand for God. Somebody say amen. Amen. You got to take a stand for God. You have got to take a stand for God. I don't care where you work, what school you go to, you need to be willing to take a stand for God. Satan doesn't have no, any problem putting things in your face. He has no problem with getting you to stand for him. We need to boldly be Christians and stand up for righteousness and truth, even if it means you're going to lose a few friends. Amen. If you stand for truth and you lose a few friends, they weren't your friends anyway. Amen. They can stand for God. Why are Christians so wimpy nowadays? <laughs> well, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to say anything that's going to get anybody upset. So what? So what? You can get them upset. They're upset anyway. They live upset. (laughs) I say upset them. Just upset them. (laughs) Take a stand for God. Who's on the Lord's side? I love that. Who's on the Lord's side? Some of y'all ain't raise your hand. (laughs) Oh, Well, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. So in verse 7, you looking at it? Moses took his tent. He pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. Underline that. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle... That all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his own tent door. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his what? His friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, bless his heart, did not depart from the tabernacle. So the people, give me your attention, they removed the pagan jewelry. Moses took his tent outside of the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. Now listen, this isn't the tabernacle that Moses received instructions for on the mountain because it hadn't been built yet. This is a separate tent, possibly, probably Moses' own personal tent. It could have been a supply tent. We really don't know. But either way, the Bible tells us that Moses put it outside the camp, and this is where Moses will meet with God. Now Moses is giving a clear sign, listen, to the people that sin breaks fellowship. Write that down. Sin breaks fellowship and God cannot and will not dwell amongst sin. Sin, saints, listen, sin separates people from God. Sin separates people. From the Lord, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2 tell us, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened 
that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities or your sin have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that God will not hear. You understand? I don't think you can get any more clear than that. Sin separates us from God. Now listen, we are saved. We've got to understand this here. We are saved. We are forgiven. But we can't expect the presence to experience the presence of God in our lives or in our situations if we insist on being disobedient. Somebody once said it like this, God, don't bless mess. Don't get there. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.